1: back to the Fantasy Football Report. As always, I'm joined by Hassan, and uh, we have a special guest, someone we always like to get on in Week 1. We needed him last week with <laughs> boots on the ground in Foxborough. So, uh, but uh, still happy to be joined by Dave Caven again in Week 2. How's it going?
2: I- I'm doing good, guys. Um, some more surprises after yet another week here of NFL action. I was hoping that I would see Hassan upright, as I'm worried that the back issues, which I also am afflicted by, are continuing. on. Is, is your back doing any better since I watched you guys draft the main event team a couple of weeks ago? Um, no, it's actually getting progressively worse. Oh, <laughs> boy.
3: <laughs> oh, so, boy. We're, so we're slated for surgery this Thursday. should be out and the doc assures me that I should be upright by Sunday. Okay. So on, on the bright side, I should have a lot of uh, opiates. So nothing bad can happen that Sunday.
2: All right. All right. <laughs> I'm well, sorry done. to
3: hear you're affected by these back issues though, Dave, because I would not wish this on my worst enemy.
2: Oh dude, it's, it's absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. But, uh, you know, at least, uh, you got a couple of, or at least I, I'm assuming you do as well have a couple of good fantasy football teams going this year to hang our hat on. So there's always we that. Can
3: hope. We can hope. Yep. Um, but let's, let's just jump right into it, you know? Uh, and you know, let's just say this, all right? Like, we could we could spend the entire show on this guy, but Bijan Robinson today he rushed nineteen times for one hundred twenty five and one hundred twenty four one hundred twenty four uh, yards, and the Falcons is weak to win over the Packers. He also had four catches for forty eight additional yards. Realistically, this blurb almost undersells how good he was. Every time this guy touches the ball, he looks like he's a threat to take it to the house. Dave, one what what is your outlook for him, sort of rest of the season, but more specifically, where are you considering him in your um dynasty ranks like where would you be ranking him in dynasty
2: it's a great question blair i mean i think the rest of season uh redraft right definitely looks to me like it's between him and maybe one or two other players to finish as the rb1 i think as far as dynasty rankings go he has to shoot up there right now probably into the top five uh looks like a player that just every time he has the ball is a threat to score the Falcons need to make it a point to get the ball in his hands as much as possible. And I think that we should just continue to see him just build upon this. So I, I really think he's already into that conversation with guys like Jefferson and Chase right up there at the top.
3: Yeah. I. So let me just ask a follow-up question. So between... between it's This is a difficult one, but between yeah. Bijan and Brees, who would you rather
2: have? I think I would rather have Bijan than Brees. Um, you know, maybe if we were in a bit more of a stable situation in there uh, in New York, given the quarterback situation and whatnot, you know, you would say that this season you could maybe give a little bit of a bump to Brees, use that to break the tie Uh, both great running backs. We really liked them at the site coming into the league. They both proven that they can deliver upon that, but it's looking like perhaps you have a little bit more explosion, a little bit more opportunity now in that passing game for Atlanta Of course, this is a team that you're still trying to make sense of how things are actually going to play out there. You know, week one, very, very ugly. I did see some action there in the game against Green Bay this week. Ritter, very shaky at certain points, but then it looked like the team started to kind of put it together. So there is this question of what do you really get from them moving forward? The good thing is, though, it looks like no matter how it moves forward, Robinson is super heavily involved. And any time he's getting the ball, he's a threat to put up a lot of fantasy points.
3: He feels like the only true matchup proof guy on this team, right? For sure. Yep. Like, like, I mean, he just looks the part. It's just weird um, how, well, Juan Ritter looks really, really bad. And I think some of it has to do with the fact that the Packers are, like, he, the fact towards the end that he was able to put it together was, I think the Packers just look, look, um, like, I think the backers aren't as good as, as as people think they are. I mean, I don't think Jordan Love is particularly great. Like he really looked every bit of a fifth year first time starter today. Um, but I wanted to get your thought on another dynasty ranking question. Where would you be taking Bijan versus CMC? <sighs> that's the that's the interesting one.
2: I that's think right.
3: R- I, rest uh, with a good 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 take uh, on the yeah, yeah, I
2: think that at this point, um, you have to put Robinson over yeah. CMC. Because it's looking like they're players in the same sphere of talent. And at this point, you're going to have Robinson for more years than you're going to have CMC. Now, I think it does help in the case of CMC that he's playing on a superior team. But as we just talked about, it looks like that might not even matter for Robinson. You did see Algier get 16 looks today. You would hope that as time moves on, they're getting Robinson up into, you know, you said he was at 19. They'll start to get him up closer to 22, 23. Uh, but even if that doesn't manifest, I still think you have to look in the case of Robinson. Though I have been impressed with how much work CMC is getting already this year, but um, you know, Robinson, this doesn't come as a surprise to us. He's just delivering on what we were expecting, and it's really exciting.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. I think you have to have Robinson ahead of CMC already, and really in in kind of that Chase Jefferson tier um, yeah. for potential one hundred and one in one QB dynasty leagues and i think we're talking you know probably in that range in, in redraft next year as well if this keeps up um you know it was, he was already
3: being drafted pretty high
1: yeah that's true there's not yeah. much higher for him to go i mean uh,
3: there is there is because because like seems he was being ahead of him and then who was the second running back ahead i can't remember now but he was like rb3 right consensus so there is still space for him to show up as a 103 next year right And i wouldn't fault yeah. someone for taking him as aggressive as a 101 provided
1: he stays healthy and closes it out for sure for sure. Um, yeah, well, so this is uh, a that, that they ran so many plays. Uh, I wanted to move on to a different player. So if you want to keep talking about Robinson. No, I, I just I just
3: want to talk about this 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 note here from historical anomalies in the chat of how Bijan is perfect for that Ritter <laughs> throwing radius of five yards. I mean, that I think is kind of the icing on the cake, right? Like 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 a lot of the knocks against him, I remember during prospect season was can he catch the ball? And it's like He's an NFL running back who's like phenomenally good at everything. I think he can catch the ball, but just because we might not have seen him doing a lot in college, doesn't necessarily mean we won't see him do a lot of it in in the NFL. And we've seen this in the case of guys like Melvin Gordon and everybody else, and we're seeing it with Bijan. I mean, like he's that you know, forecasters today is just like the, it, like you can see him getting if he gets a little bit more receiving work, right? Just a little bit more, like. He's gonna, he's gonna put up one of those like legendary upside seasons as, as Pat Karin likes to call it. And like, he could be putting like, like this could be a throwback to one of those rookie first round running backs. Like a Saquon was like that, you know, the, or like, or like when Zeke was like, they were both rookies and they kind of broke, like they were being drafted fairly high. And even then people weren't taking them high enough. So I am, I mean, look, we're, 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 we're pretty excited about him, but like, I think that there's, only room for him to go up, right? But, but yeah, there's another really exciting rookie for us to get to. I mean, there's a lot of exciting rookies here in this class, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, kind of going back to that, your point about the receiving work, I mean, you look at what Atlanta did today, and even with, you know, 80-something plays or whatever they ended up running, um, you still had London leading the team at seven targets. I think there is a question about how... Uh, how safe this kind of receiving workload that Bijan has right now in these first two games, how kind of robust that is. And I guess I wonder whether you think he has the, the actual opportunity to get like double digit expected points in the receiving game to really have one of those kind of monster running back seasons. Is that the kind of team the Falcons are anyway, you know, or yeah. Basically, is this opportunity in Atlanta going to be good enough for him to do that?
2: I guess my thought on that would be that perhaps he's just so good that you can turn three targets a game into an extra eight points, which might be a little bit lofty. But honestly, (laughs) like it doesn't really feel outside of the realm of possibility. So maybe you figure if you're projecting a range of outcomes, you have some where he's getting, you know, like the eight targets on the end of the distribution, but you also have some where he's only getting like an average of three a game, but can do enough with them to, you know, get you more on the right side. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. But you think that like, if you cut out the John, the John Smith and Mac Holland targets that are really not going anywhere. Right. And I mean, even like, and this is kind of sad because Kyle Pitts is also seeing a handful, but he's not doing as much with them either. Right. So you can cut out Mac Holland targets, cut out John Smith targets, right. Like it just, Dock those down by like one or two a game and then you're looking at optimistically i don't know if those are going to go to bijon they should like frankly they should be going to pitts in london right hmm. but if you can start cutting it, like i guess i guess for me i would say that if they can start cutting moving this from a 50 50 or a near 50 50 timeshare in the running game to more 65 35 in in, in bijon's favor you could probably start seeing him getting into that double. like i think he's gonna if anything is going to come on the ground and it'll probably come via rushing touchdowns because he's still yet to get those. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like you know, we're seeing him put up all the nice stats, and then when he starts getting those nice big beefy six points, right? Because because that, cause that, Desmond Ritter had a rushing touchdown today, and it would have been nice. It would have been nice for Bijan to put those up, right? So, I think I think we're gonna get there.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, speaking of Pitts, he was out targeted and outplayed by John o. Smith in this one. What are you uh, doing with? Pitts on your teams is he i mean is this like eric ebron all over again
2: so i wrote up in uh my passing game matchup article that basically in my opinion you were just keeping atlanta players other than Bijan robinson on the bench it appears i might have been wrong about drake london you can make an outside maybe you can make a very small case here that maybe some people could look towards mac Hollins, but the reality is here you're just not looking towards kyle pitts another game under 20 yards just two receptions on five targets. If you look down this list of things that you would look for, right? Not a lot of volume, not a good offense, has not been delivering in past games. You reach a certain point with Kyle Pitts where you really have to ask yourself, A, how good he is. B, is anything ever really going to manifest here? And C, has he given you really any reason to go forth and trust him? I think you're really only playing Kyle Pitts if you're in a spot where you don't have any other options. The upside doesn't seem to be there. There's a lot of downside. It's just brutal. Absolutely brutal. And he's probably still a pretty talented player. Just hasn't had a chance to actually demonstrate that. But, you know, eventually you have to size up what you've seen and throw everything that you thought you knew at points out and just focus on what has been.
3: I think I'm with you on that because I think a lot of his rookie year comes from the fact that, I mean, look, this entire downfall, like, intersects with, the arrival of Drake London, right? There's not enough volume for both of them to really go around, right? Um, that's right. I mean, so so first off, and, and first off, if you guys aren't aren't, yeah, sh- I love it. Schiffman says, not me. I'm starting him because I'm stubborn. Guess what, buddy? That makes two of us. I'm, I'm gonna ride this ride this death chariot into the ground. But, but 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 historical anomalies is out here giving away free alpha in our in our YouTube channel. We should keep hammering Bijan two and a half receptions over and seventeen and a half or yards receiving over. Until the boost up over 20 levels and three and a half racks. I agree with that. Man, they're designing fast for Bijan and he's splitting them out. Yep. Yeah. I think that that's the most, that's the most exciting part right there is the fact that, you know, they're using him as a viable receiver, as a down, as an actual threat. So, uh, as far as, as but that, but to go back to Pitts here, like, I don't think that anything is truly wrong with the guy. It's just kind of like, like, like they were saying, there's a potentially just sort of like Eron 2.0, right? Like, like, like Drake London is good like i think i think this is where like people get really like really hung up is that he's very very good and and on a team that would have thrown you know at the, at least at league median passing play, like 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 passing levels you would have wanted him you could have penciled him anywhere as like a, like you could you could see him finishing as a one of the top twelve receivers right like it's just that's the issue like, you, you the discount occurred because you weren't you, you could you can't do that with his offense um like, it is what it is. So I think I think with I think with with, with these guys, you just gotta plug them in and pray, I guess. Um, but I don't know. Blair, what do you think?
1: I think I don't know. I mean, it's hard to it's hard. I don't think you can play Pitts right now. Um, but this does give me some hope that starting London the past two weeks hasn't been a completely foolish move for me. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I think Pitts is good, but I'm still a fan. But it's definitely hard to start him when when he's kind of behind John o. Smith, almost, it looks like. Uh, speaking of other players who I think are pretty good, Jaden Reed caught yeah. four, catch, four balls for 37 yards and two touchdowns. This has been Hassan's guy since uh, the offseason. I mean, Hassan, we should have all seen this coming, right?
3: I think we all did though, right? Like, 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 like for, for, uh, we have him on our FPC team that we draft, we drafted live. Like we took him as our final ra- wide receiver. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like that was like, that was one of the ones that, that we just, I mean, like, like part of the thesis, I guess, behind, behind him and, and Musgrave as, as well. And another, like a rookie tight end who's actually going to be paying off pretty nicely because Musgrave had, uh, three targets, got two, two for 25. So there's bigger days in his future as well is, the, like the Packers, everything new is everything is new for them right like like right now like 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 we don't know like Christian watson the poor guy he looked like he was primed to explode suffers a hammy right before the start of the season and and we don't know when he's going to be back uh dubs was dealing with and still appears to be dealing with some kind of lingering hammy issue so i mean so someone has to be out there and like reed was an athletic, like an athletic prospect picked fairly early too uh, the the Packers don't exactly have a, a a sparkling history of taking early round wide receivers, so it's kind of something to to have taken note of. Uh, I mean, look, this is like a line that's essentially very TD heavy. Like, this is not one that you can just sort of. I would recommend that you start plugging and playing him in on. I okay. I again, I just don't think Jordan Love is very good. It's going to be difficult, but like when we get to the bye weeks and you're get you're having issues with people who to start like like Jaden Reed is a very very easy click when that when stuff like that starts happening. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the the interesting thing here is that we are now seeing young wide receivers on this team able to deliver, you know, some decent lines when you are giving them opportunity and spreading it around and whatnot. So it's kind of interesting, you know, with the first season now without Rodgers that we're seeing all of these young guys able to make it work. Of course, last year, you know, we did see Dobbs and Watson put it together. And it is unfortunate what's happened to them. But I think despite where Jordan love might finish. And I'm inclined to say, I still think that he's that that he's good. You know, well, I'll have to go back and watch this game and, you know, make a little bit more sense of that. Even if he isn't, uh, it does look though, like this offense is able to score fantasy points, which is pretty key. Uh, But though I am inclined to say that at this point, it does look hard to know where they're going to come from. And that line that we saw from Reed is not one that you're necessarily going to trust. So as you start to size up this receiving core, it is going to be a challenge knowing which of these guys you can lean on week to week. Hopefully we see Dobbs' health start to improve, and then he's a guy that you can reliably start each week. But at this point, most of their performances have been dependent upon uh, the touchdowns, which is always a really tricky case. Do we happen to have any idea of when Watson's going to be back? Because I have a lot of teams that would really like his presence.
3: Hmm.
2: None yet. It doesn't seem uh, like it.
3: I was, I was, uh, I, I was um, looking around for some information on Christian Watson, and I found some guy online who uh, claimed to have matched with a girl who has Christian Watson in his profile pic, who thinks it was a cousin or something. And he uh, he messaged her and asked what was up with Christian Watson' hamstring, and he never heard back. So, yeah. so, uh, so if anybody else has a similar story, please <laughs> keep fighting the good fight. <laughs>
0: All
3: right. Well, we'll find out someday, I guess. I'm just hoping he's back though, because like Watson is genuinely it would really elevate this offense, right? Like like for sure. Dubs for as good as he is, is just not a similar like he's not the same size speed big play threat combo that that Watson presents. And and ultimately, like these like you can almost put like this Jaden Reed, Romeo Dubs, like Spider-Man meme. Because these mm-hmm. are very identical lines. One guy got the touchdowns and he's on my bench, and one guy didn't and he's in my starting lineup, right? <laughs> and, and it's it's kind of frustrating. But with Watson, I think it really does become one of those, uh, a, you know, lifting tide. And the other thing that I will point out is Aaron Aaron Jones was out for this. Right. I don't know how much we're gonna he gets fed in the in the passing game because he's a much 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 better receiver than than AJ Dillon. They gave Dylan, I think. Uh, let me you have one here. target today one target right yeah like they just know that this guy is just like a a bowling ball who they want to use and like not necessarily you know uses as a, as a receiver repping receiving weapon so you know we're looking at i'm really interested and excited to see how this offense morphs once watson is back
1: yeah
3: um blair you get to take a victory lap on this next day we have got on the list you want to go for it I mean, not, not not because of what happened, but just the guy himself.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, uh, well, right. Montgomery, David Montgomery was carted off with a thigh injury, which, you know, leaves the door open for Gibbs to take on a much larger role. He had nine targets, caught seven of them for 39 yards. Also, seven carries for only 17 yards. Um, but, yeah, are we thinking this, this elevates... Gibbs into even more of a full-time role or are they going to replace Montgomery one-for-one somehow with Craig Reynolds or someone else?
2: I think that they might give it a shot, but I think that might be a little bit hard to do. I think the larger takeaway here though for me is that I think that uh, you are going to see reliable receiving work for Gibbs. Mm -hmm. So even if he's able to increase the rushing workload that he had by a smaller percentage. Uh, I still think that's going to be pretty critical and put him on the you know, high end of RB2 type of territory. I'm not sure that we see him popping into RB1 range just yet. Um, but Gibbs, to me, I don't think heading into the season, I was really expecting most of his value to come with the rushing. Sure, this opens up the opportunity. Uh, but you could make the case that maybe by Montgomery not being there to be the guy that is always the intended player to score the touchdown when they get in close gives him a couple extra opportunities to pick up some of those crucial points here and there that allow you to elevate your status into the rb1 conversation Uh,
3: it's feeling a little like cmc's rookie season right where like cmc saw a lot of work as a receiver didn't get a lot of work as a rusher um this is like goes back to blair's comp during like prospect season because you've got compton pretty favorably to cnc especially his receiving skills but it almost feels like the career path is following a similar amount right like as, as, remember remember when people were leaving i wouldn't say left for dead but like they were fairly down on CMC as a sophomore after especially after they cleared like the panthers cleared the deck for him right um man it feels like an eon ago so so uh, i mean it feels like an eon ago because because it is but like Nine targets is abs, I mean, in a game where it was obviously a shootout, it's still pretty, pretty good. Um, I mean, we knew, we knew the deal with Gibbs going in. It's interesting. And it's, well, it's unfortunate for Montgomery that he's, he's hurt. It's interesting to see what they do with Montgomery. I mean, with Gibbs now, and I would think that they would have to start giving him or at least treating him closer to like, like similar to Bijan, right? Like you, even if he's splitting 50-50 and, uh, with Craig Reynolds or whoever the other, the other guys are, they're not going to be taking that receiving work away from him. Right. Um, so I'm kind of excited at least as to what the prospects are here for, for, for Gibbs. I think, I think I had a question for both of you guys, where are we at with him and his dynasty value? And uh, I guess what, where would you be drafting him in Dino? I like, you know, just from what we know, Yeah, that's a tough one.
2: Yeah, it is. So, Here's the thing, right? If you looked at the RotoViz Triflex rankings right now, among running backs, it goes Robinson, Hall, Gibbs, CMC, ETN. So you're kind of in a position with Gibbs where it's like how he is almost just like kind of like unaffected with where he is because he's lived up to what you would expect via those rankings. But I'm not sure that at this point you're going to push him above Hall and Robinson. But if anything, maybe you make the case that this really solidifies his spot as to where he was and prevents him from being able to slip a little bit. I see uh, my friend Blair nodding his head. So it looks like he's inclined to agree.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think this moves where I would take him in dynasty just because I was already very high on him. Um, I don't think it's enough to move him ahead of certainly not ahead of Robinson or really ahead of, of Brees hall either, even though he didn't have a great game today, but I still think, um, still think you have you have Hall and Robinson ahead, but I mean, even even taking Gibbs ahead of CMC and some of those other guys in Dynasty is a pretty a pretty uh, strong stand, I would think.
2: Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, when you're looking at the road of his rankings, you know, it doesn't feel like it's that much, but I could imagine, you know, maybe if you were just looking at a broader scope here and looking at ADP kind of as your barometer, your baseline, you would then be able to make the statement that there is this pretty significant jump. Um, you know, I, th- I think the other thing too that you got to keep in mind sometimes with these young players is in addition to what's actually um, manifesting in their output, just some of the other signs around, you know, did they get through... The preseason in the first couple of games get in. Did they show explosion? Did a lot of the things that we thought about them coming in line up? You're seeing that with Gibbs able to handle the large target volume. So there's just a lot of reasons to get behind them. And I think that the quicker that you do, that you take any of the signal that's there, the better off you'll be. And I think in the case of Gibbs, we already have pretty strong signal. And as a result of that, you need to move him up over some of these veterans that have been in the league now a number of years. If you haven't done that, really important to do in dynasty with a player like Gibbs, you ought to be ahead of the curve on it.
3: Yeah. And I'd be, uh, we're, we're, we're fully closed for the dynasty draft season, but I've been curious to see what is ADP opens at when we open up the Tri-Flex leagues next, uh, next, uh, off season. Um, an, another rookie who we all like a lot here at Rotoviz, uh, not on a show sheet, but is, uh, jsn he had six targets got five for 34 most of his targets seem to come around the line of scrimmage it it is nice that the that the seahawks seem to be trying to get him involved in the in the passing game but right now man it's a very disparate offense i I wanted to get your guys thoughts like what needs to break right in order for jsn to start earning a more meaningful target share or is this just what we're at like better than basketball type guy this year
2: it's tricky right because it looks like the team really trusts tyler lockett In those key situations, especially down when they need to find the end zone and put up points. So they certainly are making an effort to get him in there. Uh, But I'm not sure that at least for the next maybe like six, seven, eight games, I could strongly predict that you start to see him get uh, very dense targets. You know, right now, I think a lot of what he's seeing um, are more of the type of targets that you're going to get from a guy that's a little bit down your pecking order in terms of trust. So you're going to have Metcalf in situations where they're looking to break these big plays. And I think that you're going to have Lockett when they're in situations, unfortunately, where they need to try to score or they really need to go ahead and move the chains and need that level of trust. Now, I don't think that it's out of the range of possibilities that he can earn it because I think that JSN is very good. But in the context of that team, I'm not sure that you see him emerge and start becoming you know, the touchdown scorer that he would need to be to realize the expectations that we had for him going into the season or that you might have drafted him with in dynasty uh that said though i think the fact that he's playing on a team that has these two very established players that they really trust and is getting worked in is a very very positive sign so i'm really uh taking a positive position on jsn after these first two games uh, despite some of the questions that one could put out, like the one you just did, which is very valid, if I'm taking a long term look as opposed to a short term window here. Yeah. Uh, Chef uh,
3: Inabi asks, "Straight Taylor for Barkley? Barkley owner seems to be panicking on the ankle sprain. I think I I think I'm a to shift fit here. Who, like, I would much rather have JT. Like with JT, we know he's on IR. He's on. Like he's gonna come back. He'll be a lot healthier with with, with Saquon. You Just don't know how long it's gonna last. I don't think you want to trade JT for Saquon." And accept the injury, like accept an actual injury that we know that that occurred, and that we're we don't, we don't know the ramifications for. Versus a guy who could ostensibly come back, and be you know is JT right? Like, like 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 JT and Saquon are the same guy. One guy is going to be healthy. One guy we don't know the severity of. So I would hold off on that.
2: The um, other thing too here that that's interesting about it is the Colts moving the ball more. And I was expecting that they would. Yeah. yeah. And we got to see it yeah. with both Minshew and Richardson. Um, which I think factors into you know some of the questions that you would have had about Taylor. Uh, you know, so maybe when he comes back, we do see him able to do some Jonathan Taylor-like things, which you know, I wasn't sure we would heading into the season with Richardson under center.
3: They're playing much faster this season, much, much faster, which is nice. Yeah, um, just because we 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 like play as a fantasy. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> Another rookie wide receiver was actually a flash early. And part of this is, uh, is Zay Flowers who got four of his five targets for 62 yards. And the Ravens is weak to win over the Bengals. Um, Flowers day is largely buoyed by one 52 yarder, which he hauled in early in the third quarter. I should also note that uh, OBJ was actually playing ahead of him until he suffered a pretty bad ankle sprain. And then he was left, he left uh, the game and came back during street clothes and was hanging out on the sideline. So I wanted to get your guys' thoughts. Like, one is a flowers like a safe plug and play option now, or are we still looking at you know with Mark Andrews back? Are you still looking at a guy who is you know going to be a fairly a highly volatile like wide receiver flex option? Um, for you,
1: no, I think I think you can put him in your lineups right away. I think uh, he kind of showed it in week one as well and followed that up with a good performance here. Um, You know, only five targets is not maybe what you're hoping for. But um, I think this performance is is pretty encouraging that, uh, you know, they not only did they give him that deep pass, but I think they threw the ball to him on the next two plays to try and get him into the end zone. Um, So they were they were using him a lot.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think 13 to 15 receptions right now is a pretty good sign that this guy is going to make use of his targets. He looks to me like the real deal. You know, I think as the season plays along, you're going to see him firmly entrench himself as the number two option there behind Andrews. You know, they have been using or making uh, opportunity to use him too. actually as three rushing attempts at this point too, uh, which you always like to see a team intentionally trying to scheme a player into that offense however they can. 93 air yards total across the two games, but that is good for 23.1. And, you know, I wouldn't expect that you're going to have Andrews uh, be like a direct type of competitor for some of that work with flowers, uh, to me looks easily like the most talented wide receiver on this team. And I think that the good thing here is he's a player that I believe has it in his profile to do a lot of fun, uh, you know, exciting things once he gets his baseline level of points. And I think the baseline there is probably going to be somewhere around like 10 points per game, which is a pretty good starting point, for a player like flowers with where he's going to fall into the hierarchy of your fantasy roster so i'm feeling pretty good about flowers right now
3: i'd like to see a lot less nelson aguilar targets but i can acknowledge that he did a damn good job today as well against i mean the team looked fairly different today with with, with mark andrew's back yeah.
2: um yeah six targets today for aguilar uh five of six one receiving touch, touching 102 air yards actually so um, yeah, yeah. I'm happy about the couple of best ball teams that I tossed him on uh, to towards the end of those drafts. You know, already paying off.
1: Do you think Rashad Bateman is getting close to being droppable in shallow leagues?
2: Probably. You know, Maybe even uh, in deep leagues. Yeah. I mean, six targets on the season so far um, has come away with six receptions, which is nice. But listen, just doesn't seem like a player that this team is going to try to or need to force targets to force work his way. Um, At this point, at best to me, looks like he could only be the third option in his offense, which is one where I'm not sure that I want to be going that deep into the pass catchers on. And then as Hassan mentioned, you have guys like Aguilar getting more targets than you'd like to see and doing good things with them. So I don't know if in a deeper league, I'm going to drop Bateman. You know, you have to expect that anything could happen here. We could have some level of context in which we're wrong, but if I am managing a team right now where I need to look to other places and I have holes that I need to plug, Bateman looks like a guy that I'm realistically considering jettisoning, uh, jettisoning to make my team better. Yeah,
3: Blair's Blair's been ahead of this. He got a first uh, in a in a baseball dynasty league we're both and he took a first round draft pick out of me. I think he did that one or the JSN and I got Rashad Bateman. So here I am watching my, watching my ass and depreciate at
2: rapid, at rapid pace. Yep.
3: <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, on the other side of the ball, Joe, Joe Burrow said he tweaked his calf again. Uh, you know, he appeared to have re-aggravated this injury in the fourth quarter, but played out the rest of the game. This looks like it's going to be lingering for most of the season, unfortunately, for Burrow. Um, you know, he was visibly limping when he was leaving the, leaving the field. Like, Dave, does this have you worried at all about the Bengals' offense? Because they have not looked like the Bengals. They look more so like the Bungles.
2: <laughs> yeah, man. I i uh, am a little worried here. Um, you know, even before the the uh, Burrow talk of the injury this week and some of the, the lingering effects of that, you did watch this team and uh, – just play to play. It felt like whatever that intangible quality was that you had in the past of a team that's one of those superior offenses in the league just didn't seem to be there. And it didn't feel like you had this section of space that you've had in years past where it looked like at any given moment, Chase or Higgins both were going to make a big play or Joe Mixon out of the backfield, or maybe, you know, one of those ancillary pieces like Tyler Boyd. Uh, So we saw Higgins come out able to put together a good performance today, but this didn't feel like the type of offense, which it needs to be in order to keep itself relevant for what we were expecting in fantasy, where you're going to have multiple players going off at any given point. Now I do think that they've been good enough in the past that there's reason to expect we could get back to that, but you have this issue with Burrow now and you do start to worry uh, about the viability of this team returning on the investments that we made in fantasy just a couple of weeks ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's uh it has been concerning how how this team has been playing. I you know, I want to say we kind of had the same concerns at the beginning of last year. Um and you know, they kind of started slow and picked it up as the season went on and I don't want to say like, oh, it's fine. They're just a you know, they just start slow and they're going to pick it up because there's not <laughs> I don't know necessarily much evidence of that, but um, but yeah, it's definitely a concerning. Couple of games for for the Bengals and Burrow, and hopefully, this calf thing is nothing, and he'll be. uh You know, we'll see more of the Bengals we hope for in in week three. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is there a possibility that he's not been fully healthy at all?
2: I mean that that definitely is possible. All I know is so if I'm a Bengals fan and we've opened the year zero and two, I am really. Really nervous tonight, especially in that division. You got a lot of work to make up right now. Now, of course, Pittsburgh, we'll have to see how good they look on Monday night after looking pretty hard uh in week one. But Baltimore now looking like a tough team. I think we're gonna see Cleveland be a pretty tough team this year as well, which is probably also something yeah. to keep in mind too, because uh, those could be a couple of harder matchups that we see for uh for this team down the stretch. So yeah, I mean I guess in summary. I would say this is a cause for concern, but a cause for concern in comparison to how good you might've been feeling about them heading into the season. I think in the larger context of a lot of players and teams across the league, you know, you're still not going to panic. You're still expecting these players to be able to beat out a lot of players that you would have drafted behind them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You bring up a good point though. And it's something that I kind of touched on a little bit in the articles I've been writing, kind of looking ahead to these is that, these might be two of the tougher matchups that Cincinnati will play. Like
2: for a while. Yeah. Yeah.
3: For a while. They're going to, the next week feels like a very much a get, get, get right spot for them, right. Against the Rams and then the Titans and the Cardinals. Right. So you got like three soft, pretty, pretty, pretty soft matchups. It was good to see T Higgins though, get back on track. I mean, they force fed him much better than his O for O on eight targets last week. Um, uh, right. So, so, yeah. you know, they gave him 12 today. Like, they, they, they I mean, look, like they, they know, they know the guys who really like butter their bread. Like, I mean, like the, the fact that they're still getting out there and just like not losing, not losing any faith in these guys willing to give them double digit targets is good. I mean, Jamar Chase, uh, is running, he's running very difficult routes. And on top of that, it it's not helpful when your quarterback is dealing with a calf injury and is unable to really extend the plays as he used to be able to let those routes fully really develop for him, right? But, like, I mean, outside of not even Justin Jack, I like, I would say not, not there's no wide receiver right now who I would think can single-handedly win you the week not named Jamar Chase, right? Like, the second Jamar Chase gets it going and, like, he can drop a 50-burger on you, no problem, and that's your week over. <laughs>
2: You sure it's not Puka Oh
3: my God! That's, yeah, we, we want to talk about. I mean, I mean you know, do let's we jump think,
2: ahead here? But yeah, oh let's just, just jump
3: ahead because because he caught 15 of his 20 targets for 147 yards, right? He, he also had two carries for four yards, right? He set rookie records for most receptions in a game and most reception in the first two games of a career Sunday, and he, this man has like clearly taken the Cooper Cup role to heart and. I don't know if if Cooper Cup is going to be the same guy, right? Yeah. Like, like how do you put this back in – You how do you put this genie back in the bottle?
2: I don't know. I was saying to Blair before this show started here that uh, I was all over Van Jefferson late in drafts. And Curtis and I talked a lot about it on our show with the idea being that this was an offense that we thought was going to have a bit of a rebound – Jefferson looks like a guy that would benefit from that, especially when you knew that Cup at the very least was going to miss some time in the beginning and then may take a while to get back. But we've now seen two games with both Tutu Atwell and Puka looking really solid. And I think it's hard to look at what Puka has done at this point and view it as anything but a fluke. Cup, I think when he comes back, they have to keep Puka involved like this. And he might be one of those diamonds in the, in the rough here to stick with the genie theme that I think a lot of people, uh, myself included, really just missed out on.
3: Yeah, there was a, a listener saying that he, wish he he blew his his week one fob on Puka. Bro, you're not the only one. Yeah. Yeah, uh, rest in for the good point here. Shepard has supported three wide receivers before. Wonder if we sneak up and just come back with a mid-range wide receiver production. Bro, I don't know, man. Like, Buka is taking a lot of a lot of work here. But yeah, like, like I think, I think the fear there, at least if you're a cop, a cop owner, is, um, are we looking at touchdown dependent wide receiver one production, or are we looking at like just genuine, you know, volume based wide receiver production? Because I do, I do agree with you, but like, I just don't know how, um, this is gonna like this offense looks with with Cooper Cup back. But also, I'm pretty encouraged by the fact that this is a fairly dynamic offense. And all of a sudden, right now, my my close to full fade of the Rams in best ball is uh, looking like the biggest donkey play you could have made. So I'm just going to get that out of the way because I'm about to lose a lot. Like, it's just not, I'm not going to win any, any big tournaments here.
2: <laughs> so while we're talking, though, about the Rams, right, we also got to bring up Kyron Williams. And oh, yeah. That- Another player unexpected here. So how much of this is just the fact that the Rams have really kind of come into the season, put things together and mapped out some different schemes to get themselves back on the right road versus just these players. Cause that's another one. Like, I mean, you know, you knew that Williams was a player who you'd want to have some exposure to, but that was seemed a lot to hinge upon uh, If acres just really can't deliver. Uh, if This team deploys two backs more. Uh, a lot more of those type of things than than thinking this was going to be a player that is going to have a ton of standalone value.
3: A, what what's before, before we before we get that? There's a really interesting <laughs> question in the chat. Okay. As a cup, as a cup owner with Puka, I'm considering tra- trading cup to acquire Flowers and Walker. Might have to throw in a weaker RB to balance things out. Would you all make this trade? I think I would. Like cup for Zay Flowers and Kenneth Walker. I think I would do that.
2: Yeah, yeah I would. I um, think that's a it's a savvy move definitely going to make your team a lot better um, in the long term. Uh, I think it'd be hard for people to disagree with that. But
3: uh, but, to, but to go back to your question, Dave, um, man, like what like, I think the biggest surprise, at least for me out of all of this, was hearing that Cam Akers is a cultural misfit. Mm. From the Rams, and this takes you back to Darrell Henderson, who was also <laughs> like, like <laughs> called a like, cultural misfit, and like and like remember remember when like Henderson was like the run, like running back in yep. the backfield, and then yep. he was just cut, and that was yep. it. Um, yep. Like yeah. I don't know what kind of ship is does McVay run one that, that you know that like I mean, kudos to him for like having a very principled stance, but two like. Kyron Williams is really looking like the guy, dude, Like to, to, to your point. I mean, I guess, and, and, and I apologize for flipping this question back to you, but do you think the Rams go out and acquire a Kareem Hunt type of guy? I don't think so. You I mean, just so? from
2: what we, I, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I and don't Kyron, really know. Kyron with
3: what, six catches today. I have 10 to 10 base
2: targets. it on, but it seems like this is a team that kind of, you know, ha- makes weird decisions around the culture as you said so the only thing i could i think i could really see them doing at this point is bringing back a player that they might have had there in the past that kind of fit into their scheme which is probably not a player we're going to think moves the needle from a fantasy perspective um you know that's the best read i could have on on it right now granted the reams the rams aren't a team that i you know pay too much attention to in terms of some of those stories that you might hear if they're a team that you follow
1: yeah yeah i i I kind of would be surprised if they signed someone. Although, you know, I also kind of would like to see Zach Evans get get into a game and see what he what he's all about. But, uh, yeah, this Kyron Williams stuff, definitely a surprise. Yeah.
3: There you got out there. Can you repeat that?
1: I was just saying, Kyron Williams was like a prospect that I actually kind of liked when he came.
3: Hmm. Why won't? What does the deep state have against Blair giving out his best prospect stuff? This guy hit on Philip Lindsay. He hit on a bunch of these other late round guys.
2: Yeah, I don't know. He's uh, we, we appear to have lost him here. Um, but yeah, thing... I mean,
3: it, this is this is government interference, guys. This is what happens when Blair's giving us the, the goods. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone.
2: They got him. He's out. He is they, out. They uh, have, it looks like
3: they got him. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, we I can hear you now. We can hear you. I'm getting a
1: connection unstable. Yeah, because
2: the, the deep
1: state doesn't want you giving away your secrets. I keep trying. I keep trying to say Kyron Williams is actually good, but nobody wants to hear it. Yeah, I can tell
3: you that right now. Whoever, whoever your internet provider is, is listening in on this, and is pretty pissed. <laughs> Somebody who uh, I don't know. Somebody
2: who plays in leagues with a lot of the listeners, I guess. Yeah. Um, Ryzen maker's agent or something.
3: Verizon Fios guy is sitting there with his
1: headphones on. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh anyway i'm a kyron fan
2: well i mean i think that one of the things and i think i touched upon this earlier too is you do reach a certain point with some of these guys and granted it's only been two weeks where you just see them do enough with the opportunity that they have that you have to rule if you did not recognize some of their talent before you have to have some of an appreciation for it now now some of this could just be right spot at the right time But if this is the spot he's going to be in, then that probably doesn't matter. So if I'm looking ahead right now and thinking about running backs that I want to have on my fantasy team, we're drafting again, you know, you get past some of those obvious early round guys. He's probably in the conversation up there with anybody right now. You know, once you get past maybe like the tier that would include guys like Saquon, of course, now Saquon's dealing with an injury. And this is the way that things shake out at running back, right? You never can really know what to expect. And all of a sudden, Williams is in that conversation where if you're looking at your roster or your opponent's roster each week and you start to see that name coming up, you're maybe thinking to yourself, God, like, I don't know if I'm really going to get more points at this spot. So this Rams team has been absolutely fascinating to watch through two games. And uh, I can't wait to see what it does moving forward.
1: Yeah. Good question. That's a good question. Good yeah. question. I don't have him, but if you do have Cam Akers on your team, is he cuttable, You would, or are you just going to wait and see what happens, see if I, he finds a new team? I think you
3: hold and hope to trade him to someone who might think that he's got a bounce back. But, like, I think at this point, like, Cam Akers is pretty – like, I think he's persona non grata as a fantasy player. Like, he's going to have little to know. Yeah, you. you could, yeah, I mean, Cobra Kai is a good point, right? Like, you hope you hope for a trade, you can hold him, and then try and just pray you can move him off to someone who just – For some reason, thinks he's so good. Like, look, people. Like, like again to your point, Dave. Like, like we were like, like I would rather have Kyron Williams in every dead zone RB right now. Yeah, like I'd be drafting him if you if you could go back and redraft. I'm taking Kyron Williams ahead of all of those guys, right? And like with a from a country mile, the guy had ten targets and he caught six of them. This is just the beginning. You know what I mean? Like, like I really, I really do think that that a lot of these guys are are. I mean, like, they, like, 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 they're just not gonna pay back. They're not gonna pay back what you think you're gonna get. Damian Pierce dead on arrival. Alexander Madison absolutely dead on arrival. Feel really bad what's happening for the poor guy, but like, you know, again, all of these guys, scam makers. I mean, he's inactive, right? Like, like when you go back and think about your quintessential dead zone backs, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cobra Kai hits it, hit, hits it on the head. Kyron Williams would be a fifth rounder right now, or even higher in the Absolutely, like,
1: mm-hmm. like.
3: Like but that is sort of where the dead zone kind of begins, right? This is like that's the issue for guys like us, because we don't recognize any of those guys who go over there. Like you like you you could tell me any of the ADPs right now, and I would be supremely confused because I just wasn't targeting these dudes. Right. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's tricky, you know, Williams. I just said I'm a fan, now I'm gonna backtrack <laughs> he He's you know, we're talking about a guy who's five yeah. nine, under two hundred pounds, pretty slow. He's, he reminds me, I mean, this is not a good comp because I'm I'm about to say James Conner, but Conner was actually a pretty big dude. Uh, But, you know, a guy who you love to draft in like the sixth round, but as soon as he gets into the third round, you're like, "Eh, I don't know about that. I mean, obviously, if he's getting the targets, if he's going to get 10 targets, then that's pretty interesting. But still, there's a big difference between Kyron Williams and a guy who's getting ten targets, who actually has the athleticism to to do something with kind him. of, yeah, like he's not Eckler, uh, yeah, um, yeah. So I, so I guess I, I wonder whether Kyron has the has the potential for legendary upside, right?
3: I don't know if he does, and I think it's going to be a little bit more diff- or trickier once Goff is back, right? Because then you you can easily cut those ten targets into like three or four and just shovel them. That, that becomes Cooper Cup's work, right? You can take a bunch mm-hmm. from, from, from Puka. You can cut out, like, Van Jefferson stops existing. Due to Actwell stops existing, right? Like, if you, if you guys were doing, I don't, I'll have to, I'll be interested in seeing what the Gillespie has to say about this when it happens. But, but, um, like, we know cops are turning, Like, we, like, we know that that's happening. It's just, a, it's just a matter of surfing that wave and enjoying it while you can. I mean, especially, if, especially for people who drafted him, like, in, in 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 in, in draft kings or underdog best ball like you're getting him at like in the 16th round to the 18th round right like that was yep. just yeah you're yeah. guy kind of has a guys an interesting note where he'd be like chris thompson from seven years ago who burned bright early but ended up irrelevant for fantasy by end of season yeah the, uh, yeah comment. but that's a that's a really good comp but i mean like it's the early part that we care a little bit about because once you once you get beyond a certain threshold, or you hit exit, like once your teams start hitting exit velocity and best ball, um, it's very very difficult for other teams to overtake you. It's these early weeks that you care the most about because this is where there's the most. Like Mike Beers has done a lot of work on this, uh, and he used to like he doesn't do it anymore. But you guys remember when Be- like when Beers used to run the the chart of hope? Yeah. Like like the yeah. the, the chart of hope essentially shows you exactly what percentage of teams or what like where you could be in the rankings to where you'd have a chance to 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 um uh yeah. finish first, second or third, and you just see the teams that started falling off outside of like, you know, sixth position or lower. You just like the longer like the further the weeks went on, the harder it got. And it's the first four weeks that are the most meaningful just in terms mm-hmm. of positioning. Um yeah. yeah. Uh Anthony L Y says is Deandre strip to sell high or keep rest of season? Uh, I mean I think he's a 100 percent a keep in that offense, man. Like yeah, you guess, have to. I mean, like, I mean, like I saw I saw people claiming that they were able to trade Swift for Waddle, right? But like that, I think is it like the only way that those kind of trades are working Do that trade. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, do that trade. But the only way I think that trade is working is if you were an RB heavy early drafter, which I don't think most viewers of this channel or listeners of this podcast or anyone who <laughs> listens to our site. Uh, or reads our site happens to be like, we're always, we're always selectively weak at running back. Um, because, because that's the way it goes. I mean, and, and how important is it to have these early, early burners to get you ahead versus avoiding a lot of the injuries and zeros? as Joe Clemens. Um, that's actually a good question. I think that one is actually very difficult to parse out, right? If only because the avoiding the injuries and zeros is only helpful when it comes down to bye weeks and it's not, and injuries are random. You, you you can't prevent it. Like when you go back, I think after two weeks, almost anyone not played by injury is still in the fight. I mean, I agree with you, but this is only two weeks. When you start looking at like week seven, eight, nine, ten, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna start seeing actual zeros start showing up in your starting lineup, uh, just by virtue of, like you said, injury, and then also just by virtue of underperformance. It, it just that's just the nature of the beast. So it's a bit, of, it's, I mean, it's, a bit of that, it's a bit of both. It's kind of a cop out answer, but
1: no. I mean, the other thing about the early bright burners guys is that at least on my teams and maybe a lot of Rotoviz listener teams, I'm waiting for some of these rookies to really yeah come into full-time roles. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, JSN six targets today, but he's still not on the field for every yeah passing snap. So um, you know, as those guys start to get bigger roles, then they make up for uh, you know, if you lose some of the running back points early on hopefully
2: one comment to hear to make up uh, make on that is the idea that um you know if you're not anyone not plagued by injury is still in the fight um i think one thing that we underestimate is just how many unique lineups there are like in a contest like underdog the number of unique lineups that you can make is incomprehensible. like your mind actually can't comprehend how many there are when you look at all of the different permutations as a result of that, if you go in and you actually looked at how many teams there are that have had a per like a per, almost perfect mixture of players at this point, there's going to be tons and tons and tons of them. As a result of that, I'm not sure that, um, when you actually went and you did an analysis and you looked through, you'd be finding that just avoiding the zeros is, is propping up those teams because it's going to be a mixture of the teams that didn't have them, but also happen to have the mixture of players that scored a ton of points the first two weeks. Um, which is kind of hard for me to underscore here, but I was working on some simulators over the summer and just looking at if you had things where you had the computer try to build out all of these different lineups and basically decided that it was kind of pointless to do it that way because there's so many different unique ones that you could make. And then even if you look across a tournament and you try to find lineups that match, you can only find like six or seven repeats pro- across an entire tournament, which I just think speaks to how many different lineups there are. So it's easy to underestimate how similar or how many groups of similar teams there might be. Not sure if that really uh, speaks sort of makes sense, but yeah.
3: And and Joe as a, a clarifying point, but he was looking at this through the lens of a higher stakes and not this okay, ball. Yeah. That's what I many yeah. so like the Rottweilers, the big dogs, the bulldog. Yeah, I think I think this okay, is yeah. where your floor definitely. Yeah, no, because like I like when we when we talk when we talk tournament, we're just thinking about everyone who tried to max out these these uh, uh, the the MME stuff, right? Like, no, from a from a high stake high stakes perspective, yeah, like avoiding those zeros, pretty yeah. pretty big, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. Like 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 what like like what is the Puka Nakua draft percentile in the Big Dog or the Bulldog, right? Like, I think that's gonna be interesting because like yeah, especially especially when you go back to the ones that are for, like. like the higher stake entries from like much earlier in the off season before Puka Nakoa even came on the scene. Right. Like, like back, back, like right after the draft type of stuff. There was a, I think it, there was a book, there, there was a big dog open back then, right? 250, 250 in entry. I can't remember now, man. Like it's kind of all my blur now, man, but yeah, so it's, <laughs> uh, yeah, dra- I drafted so many teams by the end of it. Like I think it was all, I'm looking at my, I, I was looking over my portfolio, excited to see my Kyron Williams exposure. And I think it's like less than a 1%. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm drawing dead. <laughs> Yeah, I'm drawing data across like 500 teams. I'm like great,
1: great. Um, I got Kyron Williams on an FFPC team late, and actually, it was because I timed out and had <laughs> to send my cue. So he is on one of my one of my teams that's doing pretty well. Oh, I love it. But I wasn't really drafting him on purpose, anyway.
3: Yeah. Um Actually, there's a, there's yeah, a rookie I wanted talked- to talk about who showed some real kick yeah, um, Marvin Mims, he caught two of two targets for 113 yards and one score in the Broncos as a week two loss to the Commanders. Um, so this is so this is exciting. Um, for a Marvin Mims bag holder like myself, I think, I think he is legitimately my biggest position across all sites, like both drafting and underdog. I think I'm at like 30, no, 28%. Right. At, I, at like, if I was to do, I can't remember my average basis, but I think it was around the 16th round. Cause I was just, he was just like auto click. Right. And for a while, it looked like the team is actually fade Sutton out. Right. But they still give like, they're still doing Brandon Johnson bullshit. And like, here's, here's speak <laughs> Brandon Johnson bullshit is that they like, it was like the final play of the, of the fourth quarter. Russell Wilson heaves the ball. At Hail Mary. Brandon Johnson comes down with a damn ball in the end zone. <laughs> <laughs> after after almost stalling out their fourth, their fourth quarter drive by a horrific drop that hit him right in the hands and he just dropped it. And so and so, you know, what I'm thinking is is one, what would it take for Marvin Mims to really explode here? Especially especially I think a lot of us here uh, are, are, are Mims slappies, for lack of a better term? And do, like, has Sean Payton just completely lost it?
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, Mims obviously played pretty well. Still disappointing that he only got two targets, but you would hope that this performance kind of forces the Broncos to get him the ball more. Um, you know, when you're doing 113 yards and a touchdown on only two targets, that's, I think, a pretty good sign that you should be getting the ball more. And yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, There's still a lot of weird stuff going on in, in Denver, but yeah, I'm hopeful. Yeah. Cautiously optimistic.
2: Yeah. I don't know if I have a good, a good take here. Um, And this doesn't correlate with anything that's going on there now, but I feel like if we go back a couple of seasons in Denver, there was a stretch where there were other players that I thought should be getting the ball. And we ended up with like Tim Patrick always getting peppered with targets and just feels like, This Broncos team has been a spot that, uh, especially at wide receivers, has been super hard to make sense of. And I'm not sure that we're going to get a clear situation here by season's end that we're able to tease out. Uh, You know, maybe some improvement has been made there under Sean Payton, but uh, I'm not sure that it's going to be enough or in a concise enough way that you're really able to do a whole lot with this. I think I'm still going to be playing Sudden. Um, you know, probably a lot of people, I don't have any Judy to make the decision on. I think ha- people that have Judy will continue to play him, but uh, it's going to be really hard to know what you do with some of these lower pieces in the offense there. Um,
3: so I'm sorry, sorry to derail a good convo, but there's a good question here in the chat. Saquon and Pollard, for Diggs plus JT, 14 PPR, should I do this trade if Saquon has a high ankle? I think it's interesting you're looking at trading two running backs, uh, Jim, um, and I was curious as to who your other running backs were, but in a vacuum. Yeah. That's the kind of a trade that I would be making, especially if we get confirmation that Saquon has a high ankle. We've seen him try to play through those before and it's not pretty.
1: Yeah. Always probably a good idea to, uh, to, you know, I mean, sell high on Pollard, basically um, moving running backs is a thing I, I like to do when they're kind of, when they've reached kind of the point where you're getting what you were hope for i mean with pollard at his price i think you're pretty happy with what he's giving you but there's probably not much room for him to uh improve on those numbers
2: yeah i, I mean i think the opportunity to get digs here um would be one that i would definitely be interested in and it sounds like too if you know if you're going ahead and making this you probably have other options at running back um as a result probably making your team better overall
3: yeah i mean Wide receiver, wide receiver targets are just so predictable, man. Like you just know who's who is going for. Um, so, I know we typically don't do this, but last question. So, and this is kind of like almost like a waiver wire look ahead question. So, we're ha- we're through the first half of the Miami Dolphins New England Patriots game. Salvon so Ahmed has been the change of pace guy. He's seen three carries for 13 yards, but he's also seen and he's caught three of his three targets for 28 yards like right at the half. Are you guys, what are you guys thinking? Is Salvon, I'm not going to say the priority, right? But is he almost like a take a peek kind of guy? Are you dropping a Rashad Penny for him? Who are you thinking of dropping for him? If so, and where do you think he should be just in terms of waiver wire stuff? Just because Devin Ashane is hypothetically active, but he hasn't seen the, the field at all, right? So we, we've gotten a good signal here that, that Salvon is the RB2. So what are we doing here, guys?
2: I am not inclined. Eh. I mean, I think I would go to... Uh, oh, what's up, Blair? I'll let you go. <laughs> I'm
1: going to make drop Kyle Pitts for... <laughs> uh.
2: Yeah, Um. I, I don't know. Maybe, because we don't want to get too specific here. A, a player like Rashad Penny that you had similar expectations maybe for coming in, I'm not sure that I'm going to go ahead and let them loose at this point for Ahmed, unless I'm in dire need of those points. That said, I do think that it's important on your rosters to look at any players that you can say, all right, this guy is just completely dead weight. At this point, I need to make this move to get better. If you have players on your roster, especially at running back, where you need to just get some body onto that team that has the potential to improve it, then I think that you go ahead and you do look at him. We know that this is a good offense. Um, we know that we've seen him, you know, have stretches in the past where he was a useful fantasy player. So if he can get back to even approximating that to some degree, it's probably worth exploring.
3: Yeah, but uh, can't make for Ahmed. No, uh, the the chat actually mentioned like the like the, the chats actually talking me out of this, right? Like, uh, drop any bucks Ahmed, a uh, uh, bucks any any bucks RB not named Rashad White for Ahmed. I think you should hold Sean Tucker. I'm a bit worried about a Shane and Penny. But uh, what happens when Wilson comes back? We five or six, and what? That's another really good point because Jeff Wilson is coming back. Uh, Dalvin right. Cook or Ahmed like, give give me Ahmed in the better offense. That's actually a good point today. Dalvin <laughs> Cook really, really, man, he like he offers nothing. I mean, he's just Madison Light at this point, right? But yeah, oh I, mean, like, I mean, like I mean, like yeah, but it's just it's just yeah, I mean, like it's just fun to think about or talk about some of these running back situations in flux right now because people tend to you want you want to start thinking through these right because there's like for the first time in the last five years of us doing this Blair like like i haven't seen as many like like it's a I think it's a it's a bonanza on the waivers like i like I like a running back right guys like it's like it's crazy because like there's there's clear uh uh like landmines like a, like like a joe kelly right? Like, 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 like Joe Kaye just didn't pay off what you thought you're going to get when you won, won him. We, we took a peek at Boston Scott somehow and he sort of turned out to be the RB3, right? Like, 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 you know, like they're giving him run in, in the Eagles. Like, it's just, there's so much uncertainty and like flying in the fog under the fog of uncertainty here, I think is, is, is where the most value is, is just sort of in just cause like, I just haven't, I don't remember a time where there was this much running back talent that was up for grabs. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's probably not unusual, but it does seem like there have been like a lot of big injuries at running back this mm-hmm. season between Dobbins, you have. Now Bartley, Bartley. you have.
2: JT not playing to start the year.
3: JT, right. yeah. Just a lot of action. Um, a lot, lot of action to go around at, at running back. Yeah, um,
2: yeah, so it is a,
1: definitely an interesting season for waivers.
3: Yeah, but we're also seeing a lot more RBVC being deployed across the league, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah Like, I Maybe. mean, I mean, I mean, your guy Julian McLaughlin was seeing run today. So if if if, if, if anything, like the Zamaji Pirine slappies are out of it.
1: I'm <laughs> yeah, one of them too. I mean, I'm um, one of them too. But here right. we are. So McLaughlin, or I mean, he only had one one carry for five yards, but uh, yeah, it's something. Got the touchdown. What about my
2: man, Little Jordan Humphrey, getting in, getting two targets? I, any chance I get to say they're Little together. Jordan Humphrey, I take it. So, I know, right? <laughs> He's address. the guy, man. He's, yeah.
3: him, him Between him and Brandon Johnson, like, they think keeping our boy Marvin Mims down, man.
2: <laughs> it would seem so. But, um, I
3: mean, realistically, a lot of this just comes from Russ not being able to cook. Idiot. <laughs> really, <laughs> really, 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 I really done a full 180 on where I was at Russ Wilson. I used to like him. I
1: think he's the corniest goofball guy alive, and 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 no, he's a good one. Mm-hmm. Since we're talking Denver, would you drop Antonio Gibson? and oh, Pick up a guy like Ahmed?
3: Oh man, no, I don't think you can.
1: I mean, he, you know, he had three targets, yeah, and he did. forty-four yards. So that's something, but he's clearly, yeah.
2: It probably depends uh, on what you're looking for,
1: Clearly backup.
2: right? Like if you're looking for a guy to have on your roster. They could eventually get into a spot where they're going to become a week to week guy. Then you probably keep him because if something happens to Robinson, yeah. then it looks like he's next yeah. up there. He's and,
3: 100% next up there.
2: Right. And I'm not really sure exactly what you would expect from the players behind him. So in that case, there's not too many of those options out there on the waiver wire. But if you need the production right now, then maybe you start to look, you know, his, uh, you know, his way is somebody that you get rid of but uh, I, I would imagine the teams that I have probably similarly constructed to those of our listeners, I'm probably not quite there yet.
1: Yeah, I hear that.
3: Last question, uh, then we can you know, we, and we can close out.
1: I, I, I don't have Gibson on all the teams, but yeah. uh, if I did, I'm looking for an excuse to drop him. All right, really, last question. Yeah. Joe Mixon? No. Drop Joe Mixon for
3: Aukid? <laughs> no, are we to – i drop Joe Mixon for anything. Um, <laughs> are we in to root for Fields to continue being terrible for the fantasy production of the rest of the offense? Yeah, man, we need, man, we need, we need Chicago to just get boat raced, and then we just need a bunch of garbage time here. Like, like Fields is not it. Like, this offense is bad. They stink. The defense is awful. We were gonna talk Baker Mayfield and just how he looks alive again, but I think a lot of that just comes from the fact that he's had a chance to play two back-to-back soft off, like soft defenses. Um, but he's looked really good with what he's done. Um, yeah, I have zero percent Joe Mixon as well. Like they just, there was just no way I have cost 500 teams. There's just no way you get me to
2: click that name. I have a ton (laughs) of Joe Mixon and I'm not panicking yet. Well, because early in the year on underdog, right. He was going like at RB, like 20 something. So it made a ton of sense because how many players are you ever going to draft in the RB 20 range that are, you know, playing on what the time looked like a super bowl contender, in an offense like that and also had the first go and had a track record like he did. And like I said earlier, I think some of this really is the matchups that we've seen to start. I do think you're going to see him return a little bit more on that as we progress.
1: I think early in the off season, there was maybe a lot of talk either that they would sign someone or draft someone early to kind of compete. And actually there was talk, I believe that Nixon might not even be back with the team. Um, So yeah, you know, With Mixon, I buy those kinds of rumors.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, also there, there, I think too, there were questions about what, like you know, some legal stuff coming out and suspensions and and things like that. So, um, you know, sometimes you you make the play there. So, I will say when I when I have this positive talk here about the Bengals and maybe turning things around and whatnot, there's probably you know some deep-seated you know rooting interest there for me. So,
1: yeah. All right. Anything else we want to talk about? We were talking Denver, but we didn't touch on a, their opponent much. Sam Howell almost got to the 300-yard mark and put in two touchdowns as well. Um,
2: well, we mentioned Gibson, but Brian it? Robinson Jr. Killing right. it, man. Yeah. Two it's solid really games back-to-back. It. Had a you know, nice target volume last week. This week, we see him punching two touchdowns on the ground, 18 carries, 87 yards. Then on top of that, you also get 42 yards on just two receptions uh so looking like Crazy. a player that has really benefited from some of the coaching changes there with eric Enemy coming in uh yeah. certainly mm-hmm. a focal point of that offense so you have to feel really good about him if you have any investment uh in robinson jr moving forward also just great to see after you know how things got off to a start for him last year with the stabbing and all of that so you know kudos to robinson
3: yeah that's that's the same thing like i was thinking dave like we just with brian robinson like like he's overcome a hell of a lot to show that he's like a real talent in the NFL. You know what I mean? Yep. And like, and like, B, like, B, like I'm really happy for the showing that he finally got a shot, right? Like for years, people were saying, give him a shot, give him a shot. And when you give him a shot, they're doing well. Um, Sam Howell, like, I'll be honest, like this is a little bit of a fluky stat line. He looked really bad in the first half. It was really not that good. Like it's, it's kind of like the, like the, like Washington will kind of scarred a little bit by Brian Robinson right there both because both uh missing you know he's missing guys like Derry, and he's missing Jahan dawson left and right so optimistically he improves a little bit right uh but i'm still waiting for for a, for a time where we can actually turn around and say yeah like howell has truly arrived he played fine but like he wasn't exactly like great but like like yeah like you're pretty happy if you were drafting him a lot in the super late rounds you know like 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 i was does not he surprise when this game kind of shot out towards the end. Uh, yeah, had a big mm. shootout towards the end because man, like it was, it would have been because it was going to be Brian Robinson's day, like by far. He saved me today, pretty big on draftings and Cash somehow. By the way, donkey, donkey move, don't do that, uh, Brian Robinson in Cash. Not, not, not exactly the best <laughs> mentally aware. I mean, I think I still posted a losing day in Cash, but like it could have been much, much, like much, much worse had he not come through.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Joe Clemens makes a good point. I don't think Denver is a bad defensive team. I think yeah, it's pretty, they're, pretty impressive. Yeah, that they are the Washington pretty good team team. was able to put up 35. Um, yeah, I mean, Dotson didn't do a whole lot in this game, only 22 yards on five targets. Are you at all worried about him going forward if uh, a lot of these other guys are going to be worked in? If Logan Thomas is going to keep um, getting targets and John Bates and the
3: other one, Cole Tucker. Was it Cole Tucker. What's the name of the other tight end? Cole, Cole Turner. Cole Turner,
2: I was so close. You have oh, Devin DeShane is in the yeah. game. Devin DeShane is in the game. Oh, nice. All right. Also, you have a Byron Pringle spotting in the box. Yeah! But right oh, boy! So, as somebody that uh, has a lot of investment into McLaurin and Dotson, there's definitely some concern that we can kind of consolidate this down as things move along. Yeah. Because, you know, if you have a... On most teams, right, if you have somebody like Logan Thomas maybe getting involved a little bit more, then you would like, that's okay. But when you start getting down to the Byron Pringles and Cole Turners, that's, you know, <laughs> when you turn the corner and you have a problem.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. i a shame mean, of
3: five yards, and it looks like he might have gotten hurt on the first oh, carry. Oh, no. His first carry. Uh, his first carry, but, you know.
1: Yeah.
3: Oh, he, you got go- a second, he got a second carry. Now it's only one yard. Oh, no. Going the wrong way, but we're seeing Shane's getting some work. So, so and Shane's getting some work. So the entire Money stuff on Ahmed, so far. No targets yet. entire stuff on Ahmed segment can be thrown out. <laughs> <Yeah>. Forget <laughs> everything we said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just want to thank everybody who's hanging out with us here in the comments, especially during 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 Sunday night football.
2: Yeah, this was a great a great <laughs> chat. A lot, a lot of very astute comments in there too. To, to be honest, a yeah. lot of really good points. So fun fun chat for sure
1: yeah there we go. i I agree with this one hundred percent
3: only as good. We're only as good as our listeners make us, man. They are a sharp bunch to keep us keep. Us honest. yeah, yep,
1: but yeah all right. well, uh,
3: yeah, Dave, uh, talk to do it unless there's talk to them about the, second. the new flagship show. how you guys are doing it?
2: Oh, that's right. And of course, we're coming off a week where we had incredible technical difficulties, which didn't help a lot. <laughs> but uh, on Thursday, starting at seven thirty five Curtis and I are using. The suite of Rotovitz tools in specific, the GLSP to do a start slash uh, sit show that a lot of really fun questions coming in, Have been able to answer a lot of questions. It's just fun way to get the football week started uh, with a nice, you know, 25, 30 minute uh, show there before kickoff on Thursday night. So definitely come in, hang out with us and we'll get some of your questions answered Find that on the same feed that you are watching this live stream on.
1: Definitely, definitely check that out. Check out all Dave's work. He's doing some really awesome things at uh, Rotoviz with the new pass-up passing matchup raider yep. tool. That oh uh, yeah, he's uh, updated for this season. You, see, you have to get into uh, get into the tools and check that thing out because it is awesome. And Dave is you know writing that up every week with uh, some great great info. I do use Very that tool a heck of a lot, version.
3: especially when I'm bet, when I'm betting props. I tend to bet a lot of receptions and receiving yard props, oh, and that helps you find a lot of really good value. Yeah, that is an um, interesting
2: application I've yet to explore, but uh, you <laughs> should like you it. should give
3: it a yeah. shot because it's really really helpful. Um, yeah, because, just because you can eyeball some of the lower lines and you can figure out whether like intrinsically like we've been playing fantasy for a while, so we should know exactly what how it's going to shake out. So it's a good, it's a really good tool. Nice. Um, for sure. uh, I just the only thing I've got to promote is a Shane got a reception. For some reason, I have been banned from my own YouTube channel, so it's refusing <laughs> to post. It's refusing to post it, but but bros, this is it. Like hopefully, hopefully we're we're here parting a like a Devin and Shane breakout in a few weeks. God, my bags it's needed number. so badly.
1: Why am I at like twenty five percent of Shane? <laughs> it's all starting. It's starting now. Now is when it pays off. Or maybe not. Well no. we'll let you get back to it and watch the watch A Shane take over this game. And uh, thank you all for hanging out. that we'll sign off. Thanks. Thanks so much for watching.